Good afternoon. This is the Crowded Booth live from the Tate Student Center here in Athens, Georgia, on the campus of University of Georgia. Uh, we are here today. I'm joined by my good friend Brandon Sudge. Uh, he works with the Macon Telegraph, uh, just covering all around Georgia sports. And uh, today we're going to review. Obviously, if you were there last week, you had the national championship game, Brandon. That was, you know, from from my perspective, it was it was a great game. A college football fan that I am, it was a, it was a really good game. And, for Alabama fans, it was one of the greatest comebacks they've they've had in, in recent history. And for Georgia fans, it was a, a painful, heartbreaking loss. Um, but definitely you were there, so we're going to be able to talk about that and cover that. And then also be able to take a look about um, Georgia's future and what does the foundation for Georgia look like and, and what all that does uh, for them. But first thing I want to talk about is uh, your reaction from the game. I mean, obviously, you know, talking with some people who are big Alabama fans and and one guy in particular, he was just saying, you know, from Alabama's perspective, probably not their best game. Mm. Um, but they were able to tough it out. And, you know, Nick Saban, his, his post-game press conference, he was mm. really excited how his team prevailed. But from a Georgia perspective, what would you say the reaction was? Yeah, I mean, first off, for an Alabama fan, that might be one of the most gratifying national championships of the six or so that uh, Nick Saban has won. Um, just because it, it was in um, the impressive comeback fashion. And it involved... A lot of uh, true freshmen to attack Baloa, uh, Najee Harris, uh, Devontae Smith, um, just a bunch of young guys who maybe didn't see the limelight throughout the season, but mm -hmm. were thrown into that big situation and uh, performed pretty well. But um, from a Georgia perspective, I mean, I've, I've been around the team um, since August, um, been covering the team week by week. Um, and I didn't think Georgia was afraid by Alabama. I thought it was a game that Georgia was ready for. Um, I thought Georgia um, was relishing the opportunity to uh, avenge a 38-10 2015 loss mm -hmm. with a lot of those same players from that game. Um, but anyway, um, being up in the box and, and, and seeing the game from an up-high perspective, I feel like um, Georgia had a bunch of things clicking for it um, in the first half. I mean, Georgia offensively opened up with seven consecutive passes, and you're mm -hmm. like, well, uh, they have two running backs, why don't they run the ball? And, well, uh, Kirby Smart said post game that he wanted to try to loosen all of them up early, and it worked as uh, Georgia had uh, set up the the touchdown by Michael Hartman at the end of the half. And, um, had a couple of field goals mixed in, and then that transferred over on the defensive end where they held Jalen Hurts, who's, what, 26-2 as a starting yeah, quarterback? Yeah, 26-2. And, and is not a bad quarterback, held him just 21 yards and um, did a successful job at styming at, uh, an Alabama rushing attack, which has star players just like mm -hmm. Georgia's backfield did. Um, but... Things kind of changed there after the intermission. I'm not sure um, what the demeanor was in the locker room. Um, Kirby said post game again that he told his players that um, to to warn them that Tua Tagovailoa would come in the game for Alabama, um, and he thought it would happen because they needed momentum, they needed a spark, and obviously he he brought it as was shown by his staggering second half performance. Um, however. Um, uh, I was speaking to a couple of players post game, and and their responses were kind of d d different in terms of how the situation was handled. I had uh, so I had one player that told me that they prepare for every player on the t t t t t t t t two deep every week, 
and they knew that both uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua mm-hmm. um, could have prov- that opportunity to yeah, play. Yeah, could provide problems. And then I spoke to another player who said they were in on Hurts, and they knew that he was good, and and um, they had kind of invested all their time there. So. There were definitely times where it looked like they weren't prepared for Tua, um, and he showed it with some passes to Calvin Ridley, um, some some useful run plays, which involved spinning out of the backfield on that third and nine. Um, but if we kind of look deeper in the second half, there Georgia had a twenty to seven lead. Mm-hmm. And people can blame the loss on penalties, whether it be Tyler Simmons' offsides call. <laughs> yeah. Which, in my opinion, there was a ball starter in Alabama also. So if they're going to get so that correct it, call. it would have been negated either yeah. way. Um, but for our for our viewers, it was not offsides. No. <laughs> I mean, if you go back and look, it, it was not if offsides. If you go watch the video, he was onside. Um, but like you said, that, that false start would have negated if yes. they got the right call. Uh, you can point fingers at the DeAndre Swift face mask that was missed. Mm-hmm. You can point fingers at a f- four or five other different plays that were missed and not called in Georgia's favor. And it's safe to say that the Big Ten officiating crew, um, led by D- D- Dan uh, Capron, didn't have a did didn't have a very good game. <laughs> However, Georgia had a twenty to seven lead, and you can't let that go yeah. against because every mistake you make. Especially against a team with the caliber of Alabama and the prestige of Alabama, and a coach like Nick Saban who's been there, done that. Against yeah. a coach like Kirby, who's been there, done that, but in a different role and with a bunch of inexperienced—not inexperienced, but players that haven't been in that spot before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you look at Jake Fromm's pick at the end. You look at a potentially changed offensive attack there. And I spoke to players and and. Um, their responses were, no, we didn't change anything, We that they have trust in the game plan, but it was self-inflicted mistakes. And that's, that might be true, but um, going back to, to what I had said about opening the game with seven straight passes in the second half, there wasn't much of a pass game to be found. Mm-hmm. And when they ran the ball, uh, the, the Bulldogs opted to run with Nick Chubb, who was not having success early on. And you go back to the mantra of chopping wood, keep going, and... And they tried to wear him down, tried to wear him down. I understand that. But maybe you needed to find more of a balance there. Or maybe just run it with a guy like Sonny Michelle more. He was I mean, having a great game. He was I mean, having he a great game. Uh, 14 carries, 95 yards. Um, however, I f- I, Sonny Michelle didn't have a fourth quarter carry, yeah. which didn't really make sense to me. And uh, He had, he had uh, busted open a couple of significant runs there. So maybe Georgia could have found – some offensive uh, rhythm and offensive flow if it had changed some things. Um, but you say if this, if that, Georgia had its opportunity again in overtime after mm-hmm. Alabama place kicker uh, Andy Papanastas missed a kick uh, wide to the left and, uh, and Georgia opened up the overtime with a field goal. You go back to the start of Alabama's overtime drive, uh, first and ten, Davin Bellamy uh, comes off the right side there and um, sacks to a to a, a Tiger Kaloa for a 15 yard loss and 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 I was down on the I was down on the sideline at that point um, because the media had the opportunity to to go down the sideline and uh, see the end of the game and and I could just hear the uh, elation from the 
horde of Georgia fans that were in the stadium. Yeah. And, and it was like 75, 25. It was 65, 35, yeah, 70, 30. Close, yeah. yeah, something close to being Georgia fans' yes, favorite in that building. Yes. Um, kind of a home away from home is, I think, the mantra they, they had around yeah. Atlanta was Georgia trying to play a home game where they'd already played there, you know, about a month earlier. Yeah, Georgia had already played there once, and they had all their fans there, mm -hmm. too, and it was it was back again. Um, but anyway, you could just feel that sense of elation there. Like, this might happen, you know? Like, everything has gone Georgia's way in the past yeah. five minutes or so. Like, this might happen. Um, and then one play later, ten seconds later, um, the, the, the the events don't go in Georgia's favor. And Tagovailoa finds another true freshman, Devontae Smith, 41 yards down the field for a score. Now, you can say if this, if that, but Georgia didn't get it done. And... But uh, I do think that this is just the beginning of where things are headed for Georgia. And, and uh, Kirby said it best that they're not going anywhere. I don't think they are. There are no guarantees. Mm -hmm. But I think this does set the standard, as Kirby and players have said. So uh, I just want to th 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 throw it back over on your end in terms of and get some of your perspective on where you think this program's headed. Yeah, I mean, you wrapped that game up beautifully. I mean, that was kind of like a – I think the biggest thing, and obviously, you know, texting you a little bit a couple of days after and hearing mm -hmm. that was – the toughest thing was the elation you talked about with that 15-yard sack by Bellamy. I mean, they had been gashing Georgia, you yeah. know, in the second half. And to get that sack from a kid that, as a freshman, stepped up and, and we, they finally got him. You know, they, they finally were able to trap him in the backfield. And then, like, kind of just like a dagger in the heart there. I mean, and that's also something that, that Georgia's had to do all year on the defensive mm -hmm. end. You look at the Notre Dame game, went two. The Notre Dame had the last possession of the game. Yeah, and, and, and they were able to get that turnover. And Georgia's big. able to get it. And Oklahoma, you do the same thing. You have Baker, you have Baker Mayfield going on the field with less than a minute left and like in a tie ball game. And Georgia was able to get that, get that stop, send it overtime. So in that situation, you thought that Georgia would do it again just because they have all year. Yeah, and, and they were a clutch team. I mean, Davin Bellamy, probably not a household name nationally. I mean, other than his comments to Baker Mayfield after that yes. post-game loss, yes. or the post-game win for Georgia, um, probably not a national name, but, I mean, he came up in some clutch moments for Georgia fans this year. I mean, that, that Notre Dame game, I mean, just a, a pass rusher that seemed to be there at the right time. Um, and it also helps when you have uh, Lorenzo Carter on the other end there. So. <laughs> when you have two pass rushers like that coming to the edge, you can yeah, choose your battle. I mean, offenses don't really know which one to focus mm -hmm. on because if one gets loose, then um, – then they the, the, that quarterback might have his face headed toward the, the <laughs> turf there in a couple seconds. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I like that. And then moving on, you know, what does it mean? And you and my next topic was with some key points. And I mean, you really hit that big mo plays of the game, big momentum shifters. Yeah. And you highlighted that. So as we move on to where they're headed now, mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, we're going to focus a little bit more on Georgia today with you. But from an Alabama perspective. Um, Saban ties Bear Bryant national yeah. championship. I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, <laughs> Alabama, some people are like, oh, is the dynasty over? I feel like that question comes up all the time. Is the dynasty over? Yeah, and then they, they I, win it. <laughs> I feel like the question comes up about once a year. And <laughs> Alabama's just like, no, we're no, not going and, anywhere. And Alabama proved they should be in the playoff. They are the, definitely yeah, the top team I mean, in the nation. I that's, mean, yeah. I mean, the whole debate between Alabama and Ohio State really – doesn't make much sense anymore. <laughs> yeah, that I don't think. I mean, even though Ohio State 
put a beat down on USC, and USC yeah. was not the team that people thought. And that, yeah. That's a whole other show yeah. we could do yeah. there. But, uh, yeah, definitely, just talking about the state of the program, I mean, Alabama's in good shape. You're talking about all those freshmen. Yeah. I mean, all the freshmen oh, they yeah. have. But you flip it on the Georgia side, and, I, would, I mean, you've covered these guys and you've covered a little bit of the recruiting aspect yeah. for them. Um, obviously, the big names. Um, and one name that sticks out to me personally just because, you know, being in the Rome area, Adam Anderson, he's going to be coming and maybe filling yeah. a pass-rushing void for Georgia with uh, yeah. Carter and all these guys going uh, to the NFL, uh, hopefully. So you got guys like that, obviously, Justin Fields, Zamir White, Cook. I mean, just big names in that recruiting classes. <laughs> I think on early signing day, uh, it felt like for Georgia fans, they were kind of invincible. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, that five-star, he's coming too. Oh, yeah. So I think that was really big for Georgia fans to see um, just how well Kirby Smart's recruited and kind of brought that mantra, like you yeah. said, from Alabama where Nick Saban and it works. And he's done a good job at Georgia. But what could you say uh, – just a future, just in, you know, kind of a – obviously that you could talk about that for an hour and a half. We could sit and talk about that for an hour and a half. But, like, yeah. just, you know, just a little bit about what exactly does Georgia have um, in, the, in the future for them? And do you feel like this is a team – because one thing we touched on, you know, talking previously, this is mostly the same team from last year. Yes. Not much has changed, and that just goes to testament of Kirby Smart and his coaching staff. Yes. You know, I, I love – I love the coaches that I love Mel Tucker. I yes. think he does a great job yes. um, over at Georgia, and he was getting interviewed for the Tennessee yeah, job there for a little be, bit. He might not be at Georgia much longer. <laughs> yes. However, while he's there, Georgia will use him in every way. And you know, people can. love some. It seems like every other Saturday, oh, Jim Cheney needs to be fired. Jim Cheney needs to get out of here. Oh, we love Jim Cheney now. We love Jim Cheney. So, yeah. so you know, that's. I mean. That's something that you know. This is going to come with coaching, but I think he's surrounded himself with a good staff and got some young guys. Now they had some guys leave from the coaching staff, and that's just a product of having a program. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he has done a good job of filling in. I don't know the guy's name from Memphis. They brought in, uh, yeah. but he was under Nick Saban, I think, at Alabama for a while, wasn't he? Yes. They brought in a Dan Lanning. He mm -hmm. was uh, the inside linebackers coach and a recruiting coordinator at. Um, Memphis. Okay. Worked under Kirby Smart in the past. Worked under Nick Saban. So a little bit of familiarity yes. there. Um, uh, Kirby seems to develop a pattern of signing guys that he's familiar with. Yeah. Um, and so I would I would imagine he uh, could be an asset both on the field and on the recruiting trail. He's outside linebackers, not inside linebackers. Um, but going back to what you were saying about the whole Nick Saban. Uh, time Bear Bryant thing. Um, also, think if you look back at Kirby's two first two years versus Nick's two years, they're very very similar. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of parallel. Um, Nick was able to get his team to the Sugar Bowl in year two, and Kirby brought his second year team to New Heights with the national championship appearance. Um, and as you were saying, it is a lot of the same team, other than guys like Jake Fromm. Yeah, those freshman uh, guys. The yeah. freshmen, Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift, uh, Monty Rice, uh, and those contributors. Um, it was a lot of the same team, and people say that Jake Fromm was kind of the difference. Mm -hmm. He might have been. Um, would things have been okay with Jacob Eason behind center? Yes, I think so. He was a five-star highly touted quarterback, and during his freshman season, Georgia fans saw how – um, how his arm was, and I, I think that that could translate to good things for him um, at his next step at the University of Washington and the NFL. But um, so the reason that, that that Kirby is able to create this success so early, it's because of the work that he does on the recruiting trail, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my memory, this is the best class Georgia's had 
Yeah, I mean, um, in a while. I in mean, a long time. Um, you And you go to that early signing period, um, and then you you just wake up and you and you see the guys that are committed come in. So you're like, okay, for Georgia fans, that's good to not have any surprise flips and yes. have any of that. And then you had – and then all the dominoes started to fall in the afternoon. And one thing you could tell is like some of the guys on social media were like, you know, sending little emojis out there. And it's like they knew. And, and I think that was one big thing, you know, we, we talked about last year. Richard LeCount was a guy for that recruiting class yeah. that kind of recruited other guys to come. And you saw the domino fall. I think once Justin Fields committed, if I'm not mistaken, last October, yes. um, it, you saw some guys like, well, I want to play with that guy. And that, yes. and that, that speaks volumes because yes. when you can get a recruiting class like that to come in, it's great. And you're talking about the parallels between Nick and Alabama. You Alabama, if, if you're just now an Alabama fan, <laughs> you know, that team is not the same team that when Nick took over. I mean, they're still a storied history, historical program. But that program was a lot different. And, you know, the biggest thing I think Kirby talked about when he first came in was they didn't really have that depth, the depth that they wanted. They had some mm-hmm. talented guys. I mean, that, this, this team that Georgia had was very talented. I think you saw a little bit more of that. And that's just going to keep building if Georgia continued to get top five recruiting classes. Yeah. Um, and then as this afternoon, Dominic started to fall. You had guys like, like Kay Mays and Brenton Cox and Channing Tindall and um, just a whole series of guys that that might have been surprises to Georgia fans, but I don't think they were surprises to those coaches. Yeah, I think those guys knew that they had something coming in there uh, alongside Georgia, because like guys like Cade Mays that was committed to Tennessee. I mean, and you would probably know a little bit better. He was committed to Tennessee for a while. Yeah, he was committed. Um, Cade Mays' father was actually a player at Tennessee, mm-hmm. so um, and he was from Knoxville, and he was was ready to ready to follow follow his father's legacy. And, and then uh, the whole ch- uh, coaching change <laughs> started to occur, which, again, we could do a whole show on that. <laughs> yeah, and as a Georgia, as a guy that's covering Georgia sports, seeing that, that would probably be a nightmare for a Tennessee guy to cover. Oh, <laughs> all yeah. that was oh, going yeah. on with, with uh, Tennessee and all their issues. But they got a good coach in Jeremy Pruitt, yes, former, yes. former Bulldog. But, yeah, keep, yeah, if you just keep going on that, I mean. Um, so after the early signing period, you just had – these dominoes start to fall, and and Georgia currently stands with the top class in the country, and they could get a couple more five stars with guys like Tyson Campbell and Isaiah Taylor Stewart, a couple of those defensive backs that are five stars, and um, a couple of them are here this weekend actually. But those are guys that are considering Georgia significantly, and guys that Georgia could use in mm-hmm. a in a defensive backfield that's sort of lost a lot of older players now due to uh, graduation and departure of the NFL draft. And, yeah, I mean, guys like Aaron Davis, who comes in as a walk-on and and works his butt off, I mean, from an outside perspective, you see him play. I mean, he looks like a guy that's been doing it for four years. And so him as a senior leaving, Dominique Sanders, which I'm not mistaken, is either – was he tied or – He tied the school record. Which Was it with Kirby Smart that he tied it with? I think he tied I might have topped Kirby's point. Might have topped it, but yeah, I mean, 16 career interceptions in Georgia. he almost had that one in the national title game that would, <laughs> would have given him the school record and would have cemented the win. However, that's... Yeah, and so story. guys like that you've got to replace. I mean, you could do a whole show on guys that have their place and how is this guy going to step up. And yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, replacing those guys and getting guys in, I mean, the, the areas of need. And, you know, yeah. I was at the basketball game uh, yesterday. I was able to see, you know, Kirby Smart sitting over there with... Uh, I think, was it Tyson Campbell? Is that his name? Uh, 
Rick saying that he was a four-footed yes. tackle. Yeah, and, and guys like that, I mean, that's that's big for mm-hmm. – and, and Kirby Smart, I mean, as on a national stage, we, we've always known he's a good recruiter. I mean, and, yeah. and, and watching him in Alabama, I've seen that he's a great recruiter. I mean, getting some guys there and yeah. probably, you know – when he was hired by Georgia uh, after the national championship, Nick Saban was a little emotional. Like he'd been there for a while yeah. with Nick. So that's something that speaks volumes. I just think about the depth and the future of this team. It's definitely bright with those recruiting mm. guys and the guys that are already here, like yeah. a DeAndre Swift, a Jake Fromm, because yeah. um, they're only going to get better. Yeah. And I think if you look at next year's team, I think you've got more potential and more talent. Um, you've got a schedule that's in Georgia's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no games at Notre Dame the, or anything. There are no extremely difficult non-conference games on the road. Uh, you welcome uh, Tennessee and Auburn to Sanford State, and you're right behind us. Yeah, and, and that um, uh, I know Georgia fans are going to be ready for Tennessee to come back to Sanford State. I, 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 I think they might after that 34 to 30. And Auburn uh, too. I mean, break, I mean yes. that game two years ago here, electric yes. atmosphere, yes. and then the game at Auburn this year was. Was a rough one. Um, the game, he, the game against Auburn here in 2016 actually was Kirby Smart's first one against the top mm-hmm. ten team. Um, so anyway, if you look at that schedule, it's in Georgia's favor. There's more potential for talent, but there's youth across the board. Mm-hmm. So it will be really interesting to see how things uh, culminate throughout the season, how these players develop, and how these guys kind of buy in as a unit. Um, if we kind of go position by position, um, right, so where do you think that some of Georgia's areas for improvement maybe? Where do you see they might need an uptick after a couple of these guys head out? Well, going ahead and knocking off some position groups, I mean, they're knowing and seeing Justin Fields' film, I mean, there's going to be some people that are like, we want him to start. He might give us the the, the same thing. I think Georgia's good there. I mean, Jake Fromm establishes as a leader. Too. Watching him in that Rose Bowl game, even the national championship game, too. he he's he's wise on his years. So I think they're good there. The offensive line looks really good. I mean, some young guys, Cleveland and Thomas over there on the right side, they yes. looked really good. And, and um, then you could. Uh, it seems probable that Thomas will move to left. You would put mm-hmm. Isaiah Wilson, a guy who didn't who play this didn't play year, sure. massive guy. who redshirted his three hundred and sixty seventy pounds or so. Plug him in on the right side. You've got Lamont Gilliard at center. If he comes back to the deadline for NFL draft decisions, it's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we'll see on guys like uh, Lamont Gilliard, DeAndre Baker, Roquan Smith. Who has Those it? Who has it? I mean, and you might know better than I do, and I don't know if you can share anything, but um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think he's leaning? And, and just talking about position groups, what do you think he's leaning to? Because if he leaves, that's a huge yes. lead, not um, only position, but leadership that Georgia's going to have to fill. I don't know where he's leaning. Um, I I think it's still a tough decision for Roquan. Um, I he's he, I think he has a desire to stay here and try to win a national champion. I think stay, it may get, have been different. If stay here won. to get an academic degree. Also, I, I do think that's important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, however, being a potential first round draft D, I don't know if you can pass that up. I don't know if I would pass that up. I yeah. don't know if I pass up that money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> however, if you, if you look at that linebacker group, um, Georgia. Also loses Reggie Carter, who's a rotator mm-hmm. right next to Roquan Smith. Uh, you've got a guy like Channing Tindall, who's coming in here uh, for this coming season. Um, he's a guy that, that Georgia might depend on in that position to contribute. 
Um, you've got Tris Patrick, assuming he comes back from his um, off-the-field issues. Um, but if Georgia can get Roquan Smith back in the fold, that would be really significant. Obviously, he led the team in tackles, was a Buckus Award winner yeah. for the nation's best linebacker. I mean, his his value to Georgia's defense is very uh, understated, and um, he he was a leader of that defense last year. And on a group that doesn't return ten out of eleven stars like it did, Georgia needs that that leadership there. So, um, if I guess we'll see in the next twenty four hours or so what he decides, yeah, yes. and that'll be a big also for scouts. I mean, they want to see if that if he can. Yeah. He can play in the uh, – we'll have opportunity to be available in the draft. General managers across the NFL want to know that. Um, but, yeah, back to position groups, I, th- I feel like, you know, you really covered the linebackers. And, and they're going to have to fill – and we covered a little bit earlier. They're going to have to fill in uh, Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bell, yes. two senior guys That's in why I think, I think guys like Adam Anderson and Brenton Cox, I don't know if she spoke about earlier, those guys are true pass rushers. And, mm-hmm. and those guys want to get to that quarterback and um, – it might be a little rough early on as as the jump from high school to college isn't easy. So, um, however, I think I think Georgia can use those guys. They can use a guy like Holy Karen, mm-hmm. who who was a freshman this year, playing on third downs a lot, and a guy that nobody talks about, DeAndre Walker. DeAndre. Yeah, Walker. DeAndre Walker had a two. I think it was a two big sacks against Oklahoma. Yes. I mean. And Baker Mayfield. DeAndre Walker is one of Georgia's best defensive players and didn't start. He was a rotator, and he was at the top of the list in team tackles. I mean, the, the guy did not play every snap, but every time he was on the field, he looked to have an impact. So DeAndre Walker is a guy that can help those guys because he 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 will come in as a senior next year. He's he's a guy that can help th- those younger kids develop while being impactful um, in Kirby Sports. Uh, and one guy that I loved, I mean, I mean, Trenton Thompson, he's gone. Yes. He, he is declared for the draft. One yes. guy I liked was Marshall. Uh, yes. David Marshall. Yes. David Marshall, number 51, I think David it was. David Marshall, yes. Uh, he, watching him, he's a force to be reckoned with yes. down there. And and I like, he's, a, he's a pretty talented player. You'll have David Marshall, Jonathan Ledbetter. Um, he sh- I believe he said before the Rose Bowl he plans to come back. However, um, that is not anything official yet. So David Marshall, Tyler Clark, who was fantastic mm-hmm. against Oklahoma, um, and and the national title game had a had a really good uh, finish to his sophomore year, um, and then you have David Marshall right there next to him. Georgia loses John Atkins on the D line and underrated guy. His his loss goes goes very undervalued and, and very understated. He's a guy that did all the dirty work for Georgia. He didn't get all the fame. Didn't get didn't uh, rack up the stats, but. He was the guy that did the dirty work for Georgia and uh, cleaned things up and uh, got in his gap. And it was really a big part of, of Georgia's defense, which ranked in the top five nationally this season. Yeah, and I think that just, I mean, you talk about guys that can really plug holes, and that's what Georgia did. I mean, they if you watching their film from that year and some of the highlights, they were able to allow, and that really, I mean, Roquan's a talented player. He could get off blocks. We saw that. Yes. But when you can let a guy like Roquan be able to run freely to the ball, that's mm-hmm. dangerous. And that was one thing that a lot of teams had trouble with Georgia. I mean, they couldn't get to that second level and block him. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, you go on that. The two positions, I feel like, and you can tell me because you have a little bit better knowledge, I feel like Georgia, I mean, obviously the, the tailback position's there. But, I mean, DeAndre Swift, they got some guys coming in. Yeah. I think the two positions would be, uh, defensive back. We talked about some recruits coming in there, yes. and maybe the wide receiver position because we saw Javon yeah. Wims yes. elevate his game. Mm-hmm. Well, he's gone. 
Godwin's from a good talent. They got some young guys. Yeah. Do you think, and we can, I'll direct this to you, do you think that Riley Ridley is a guy that we could see? I mean, he had an amazing national I, championship. I, I think we saw that in uh, Atlanta last week. I feel like Riley Ridley could finally emerge as that kind of go-to guy. He entered in as a freshman. Everybody's like, oh, Riley Ridley, he's a brother of Calvin, so he's, he's going to do some pretty good things. And he, I mean, not because he's his brother, but he showed glimpses of his skill set and glimpses of his talent mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Um, he's dealt with off-field issues. He's dealt with some injuries, but if he can, he, if he can plug in there on the uh, on the exposition and and kind of just <laughs> fill in for wins there and, and produce like he did, then then Jake Fromm will have somebody that he can trust in those important situations to throw to him and then Michael Harmon. Oh, it will be a, developed as a who, real who, threat. Who will Georgia. be a third-year receiver and can be explosive on uh, returns, kickoff, and punt, as we saw this year. I was surprised he didn't. I, I was surprised he didn't break. There were a couple, down. and one thing we talked about, you know, before we we got into this was he was a guy that watching, you know, watching a lot of Georgia games this year, just with how talented that group was. He was a guy that. He had some miscues earlier in the year. I mean, but he owned up to it. I mean, he had a drop oh, ball. Yeah, he and did. then he had the last big mistake that I can remember. And, you know, I'm not watching every single play, every single, and yeah. I'm not there. But the last thing I remember is the muffed punt at Auburn. Yes. Had a, which, I mean, and I've said this multiple times on, on, on this show, that we, I've continued to come back to the Georgia-Auburn game in mm-hmm. Jordan Hare. That game is the testament to Georgia. Everything that went wrong went wrong in that one game yeah. for Georgia. That's so, true. So that's true. Anything that you point out, but yeah. he definitely turned around. And a fantastic player. I mean, we saw him in the wild dog format there with him lined up at quarterback. And I think yeah. it was uh, Michelle or Chubb. Yeah, they, they, had, they had Sonny Michelle uh, right to his right, and they faked it to Michelle, and he uh, loops around the end there for the touchdown. Um, he's just a guy that that offensive coordinator, Jim Cheney, has, has built that trust in. He knows mm-hmm. he can depend on him to – to, to be an asset in a number of different ways, whether it be in the Wildcat, whether it be a receiver, mm-hmm. um, just wherever they need him, and he's answered that call. Um, he's he's one of Georgia's biggest offensive weapons, and um, he, he will be a, a big piece in terms of Georgia's success next year. Yeah, definitely. I think those, um, those that guy, I mean, he's a fantastic play, a playmaker. When he gets the ball in his hands, I mean, defenses have to – they have to know where Miko Hardman's on the field. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, he pretty much had a breakout game, if you want to call it that. For guys that have not watched Georgia, he had a really good game in the national championship game. And I think following along with that, you know, we talked about I, – I really liked watching – you know, you had a lot of guys in that Georgia secondary. I really watched, like watching um, – was it DeAndre Baker? Yes. DeAndre, DeAndre Baker, Baker, number 18. Yes. And J.R. Reed, I liked watching him, who yes. wasn't really expected to be that big of a contributor here at Georgia no, um, as a, as a uh, transfer J- from Tulsa. J.R. Reed is the cousin of D'Angelo Gibbs. Um, so – they might have signed him to kind of uh, <laughs> us a little recruiting advantage. Yeah, um, and if Jerry Reed's watching this by any off chance, we're no disrespect. No, that, 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 that's no disrespect <laughs> at all because he got on that field and he, he showed that he can contribute and he might be just as good as D'Angelo is. Yeah, he got to wear those savage pads quite a he, lot he did, quite yes. a lot this year. Yes. Um, um, so I think they have a talented defensive uh, backfield there. I mean, they got guys that – can swarm the ball like a DeAndre Baker. Mm-hmm. So, I, it, however, it, DeAndre Baker does have his NFL kind of his NFL decision. Yeah, he does. It's have up that in the air. So uh, that's another big one that that Georgia needs back. I mean, 
and I think an overarching thing, you know, you got guys that are going to fill in there, but I, the biggest one for me, I, I would be excited to see Richard McCown. I, mean, we, I saw him in, He's I think guy, it was the Army All-American game. Yeah, he, he, play, played he played in certain packages for Georgia. He actually started the year as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a safety for Georgia. Um, he's a guy that brings a lot of energy. He's a guy that provides that spark and um, is relentless in his in his style of play and things like that. Um, I feel like Kirby Smart kind of tried to tame that down this season. He said that he that account kind of got out of hand with his energy at times. But if he can tame that down and if he can improve in his sophomore season. Um, he he's a guy that can kind of man that backfield along mm-hmm. with Reed and along with along with Baker and kind of provide some solidarity to a unit that that was kind of up and down up and down at times this year. I, I didn't think they were um, that they had a fantastic season every week. I feel like there were times when they were good. And you saw that in the Missouri game. I mean, Drew. I mean. Missouri is what it is, but Drew Locke is a prolific yes, passer. And he's, and he, he's coming back. He's coming back, too, from Missouri, and that's something they desperately needed. And he, I mean, for lack of better words, and luckily there's not too many fans, fans around here, he kind of lit Georgia up in the he secondary. Did. He yes. lit that Georgia secondary up. So yes. that was something that wasn't necessarily a strong suit. Uh, I mean, obviously no. the linebackers, the outside linebackers, the defensive line, everyone's hard. That Georgia front seven's dominant. I think that Kirby Smart, him being a, 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 former, a, a yeah. former DB himself, is going to definitely shore that up. Um, but, yeah, I think Georgia is in really good position yeah. for the future. I mean, it, it, it hurts. As a, as for, y'all, for Georgia students here, I mean, being here on campus, everyone's just kind of like, uh, you know, yeah. it, totally it's, a tough one. it's a tough yeah. one. Um, uh, I mean, I came back on campus on Tuesday, and you just saw a bunch of solemn and straight faces <laughs> from Georgia students. But, I mean, Georgia fans can't be mad at how the season went. You're an SEC champion. You're a Rose Bowl champion. SC champion for the first time in 12 years. I mean, that's something that that Mark Rick was not able to do in his final few seasons here. And Kirby has shown that he elevated Georgia to a new height. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a fluke. I don't. I don't think that this is a one-year thing. Um, like Kirby said, Georgia's here to stay. I mean, yeah. this is a program that's built for the long haul. Trying to build that mold of an. I mean. I don't know if Georgia fans love to hear, but an Alabama of the East kind of yes. thing, you know. I, maybe, maybe this is a launching point, you know, yes. for Georgia to to get their foot in the ground and on the national stage. And then I think uh, for next year that it'll be sort of kind of the the uh, same couple of teams at the top. You'll have Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, um, Oklahoma, and then Ohio State, and I feel like. It'll be those few programs just kind of battling mm-hmm. out at the top, and um, I feel like those programs are kind of established themselves as of now as teams that have success on the recruiting trail and um, teams that have shown it to translate on the field. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Georgia's got a talented group coming back. Um, Alabama does too. I mean, it, it's uh, that might be a brand new rivalry that you could do a whole nother show on that might emerge as the two top dogs, kind of like the Florida Georgia or the yeah. Florida Alabama in the early 2000s yeah. or late 2000s. For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, th- I think Georgia's set up to do really well. I mean, that's something exciting for them for fans to be like, you know, it did. It was rough, but a lot of young guys coming back. Um, so I think that's exciting for Georgia, exciting for the SEC to have two really elite teams. And the rest of the SEC is going to be catching up. Yeah. It's going to make the whole conference You better. have two elite teams, and teams like South Carolina and uh, Auburn and Mississippi State and LSU and teams that are, uh, that are on the heels of those guys and, and teams that could cause an upset on, mm-hmm. on any Saturday afternoon. 
Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's something to look forward to. I mean, obviously, spring – I mean – Spring football is probably going to start. Spring football is right around the corner. <laughs> right around the we corner. We will be running right back at it in just a few months. Yeah, so thank you for being on the show today. Oh, thanks um, for having me, bro. This has been Brandon Sudge working with the Macon Telegraph, just really covering Georgia sports. And uh, he's a sophomore here at Georgia, was reluctant enough to, to text me after one of the episodes and say, hey, man, I really want to be a part of this. So thank you for him for coming. Um, thank you for everyone who is listening and watching. I know some of the people are going to be watching on YouTube. Some of are going to listen, be listening on podcasts, whether it's iTunes or SoundCloud. You can catch us all at the Crowded Booth, uh, Facebook, Twitter. And I know um, Brandon's been promoted a little bit on his Twitter, too, to try to get us off the ground. Don't forget, we do have T-shirts right here. Uh, this is what they look like. Brandon wants the polo, so I might have to get him one of those. But um, he, the T-shirt's $10, and anything above an extra large is going to be 13 Um the next podcast is going to be in Rome, Georgia, where I go to school, Barry, and I don't know, Brandon will probably want to call in on the show. He's just <laughs> such an avid fan already. But um, definitely, as we gear it for you know, a whole new thing, that Brandon, Brandon will definitely be back talking probably about spring football, and then definitely, you know, if y'all don't know, Brandon's a huge, huge Braves fan and a huge fan of the minor league signings that they make. So we'll be definitely highlighting some stuff as coming uh, into sure. the fold. For sure. um, but that's all, you know. We have for today covering some Georgia football and some a national championship that was painful, but a good launching pad uh, maybe for a potential next dynasty for Georgia. Uh, for me and Brandon, that's all we have today. Thank you for watching.